I'm surviving wedding season just about, um, <laughs> she says with like the most Eeyore sounding voice ever. <laughs> no, I'm going to get excited because we, you know, we're talking about a really exciting thing. So hype, hype, hype. There's something really nerdy when like a new camera is released and you're just like, ooh, let me see all the things about it. It's just, it's very exciting, especially when it's like, it's something completely new for somebody. I think they had a very long and, you know, actually quite a well done marketing build up situation as well. Yeah. With kind of releasing images of cameras that were like half in shadow. And I was like, oh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. Something looming in the dark is enough to make you excited. If you don't know what we're talking about, then you've been living under a rock because we're talking about the new Nikon mirrorlesses. They're not available to buy just yet, but Nikon has like made their press release and their images and a bunch of stuff has uh, come out of the woodwork. And so everybody's talking about this new camera, well, new two cameras. I'm going to say Z6 and Z7, even as an American, you can't, Z's just weird. I know. Apparently they've officially said actually that it's meant to be Z. And I was like, really? Don't control that. <laughs> That's unnatural for a lot of us. I mean, but even Z sounds a bit sexier. Yeah. But yeah, they have to cater to the Americans. So the Z6 and the Z7 have officially been announced by Nikon. You can see how like my language is completely fucked up because I want to say like Nikon instead of Nikon. Um, <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to I'm just going to say Nikon throughout. <laughs> you say yeah, I go back and forth on it. Um, has been officially released by Nikon, um, and so which is really exciting. Like I woke up this morning and I was just like, oh my god, look at all this information. <laughs> it's really interesting to see what it, what they're doing. Well. What are they doing? Let's go over it. The premise I get is that the Z7 is kind of like the higher megapixel version and the Z6 is a lower one, maybe for more volume shooters like us as wedding photographers. My first question is what happened to Z number one through five? Oh yeah, why six and seven? That's a good point. I don't, I don't know, actually. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that. If anyone has an answer for that, let us know. Those were taken behind the Nikon factory and shot. <laughs> <laughs> so the Z6 is comparable to a D750 or an A7 III. Mm. And then the Z7 is comparable to the A7 R3 or a D850. Okay. For Canon, I don't know what the comparable Canons are because I know fuck all about Canons. So they basically, the Z6 is slightly lower resolution. Um, but better specs in other places. And then the Z7 is a higher resolution camera mm. and slightly lower specs in other places. It seems like all the reviews that have been done so far have been done with the Z7 and not with the Z6. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of interesting, I think. You think for, for, for a mirrorless market, they'd be gunning for like the event shooters and the people who are looking for that lighter, quieter body. But then it seems to be that they're angling for like maybe commercial studio, you know, people who would really want that like, the big 45.7 megapixels. I'm not sure because, I mean, well, for 45.7, like 40, you know, 46 megapixel camera, a lot of people who, who do like portraits, they do fashion, they quite like that high resolution camera. Yeah. They're also the people that aren't necessarily going to be bothered by the fact that it's a one card slot camera. So people who are shooting fashion probably don't care about multiple card slots. People who are shooting portraits don't really care about multiple card slots. Mm. People who just shoot for fun on a holiday, they probably don't care about multiple card slots either. Yeah, but would you bring like a three grand camera on holiday? Some people do. <laughs> Some, I mean, there's loads of people that do. I don't because my camera gear is so expensive. I feel 
inherently very paranoid about it. Mm. For me, like if I'm on holiday, I'm on holiday to not take photos. Also, it, it's a neck strain as well. So, I mean, one of the first things I did because I, I switched to Fuji for its weight, the first thing I did was look up the weight. <laughs> yeah. But then it was hard to tell, I realized, because the weight in a Sony is all in the lens, not the body. Right. So um, there's only like 100 grams or maybe like 200 grams more than, than Fuji. But then I think I would be interested to weigh the, the Nikon lens range. They're going to weigh less than the DSLRs for sure. Um, but they're not they're not a compact camera. Mm. So I think there are people that are going to take it on holiday and they won't. The fact that it shoots to one card won't bother them. Mm. I think for wedding and event shooters, the shooting to one card is a big deal. I can already say I've seen like several threads and all the comments are regarding the single card slot. Yeah. <laughs> people are losing their mind in the wedding world about it. And I think that's part of the reason why the DF never really took off. Mm. Because the DF was a fantastic camera, but it only shot to one SD card. Yeah, And for a lot of people that was like, I had a DF as a backup camera and I liked it a lot, but I was just like, I can never make it a primary camera because it only shot to one card. Mm. I know that you had two DFs, but you were still shooting to multiple cameras. You weren't shooting to just one camera. It's one of those things like if you have the option to shoot to multiple cards, you want to shoot to multiple cards. And it's also the that weird card type, isn't it? I think that it's actually a card type manufactured by Sony, the X... Yeah, XQD. I actually played with the XQD cards when I had the D4s. I used XQD cards for years. I actually really like the XQD card. Is it that they're faster or more stable? They're really, they're really fast. They're almost like this... They're in like this metal casing. They look like you could run over them with a lorry and they'll still be fine. Um, it feels like a very hardcore card. Um, and I don't like SD cards in comparison to XQD cards. So like if I had to choose between shooting to one SD card or one XQD card, I would pick an X- the XQD card mm. um, just because it feels a bit more hardcore. It doesn't feel flimsy. It feels like it's made to go into a war zone. But would you shoot two SDs over one XQD though? I don't know. I would say I would probably pick the two SDs mm. just because there's that redundancy built in. And also, like, I feel like most of the camera market has decided that SD is the card. Mm. And so it feels like Nikon is the only person who's just, like, really person. It's not a person. (laughs) Um, Company that's really pushing these cards. I think it's a good card. It's just, Mm. it's also a really expensive card. Yeah. And let's say you're on holiday, you run out of card space, or something happens, and you need to buy extra cards last minute. Buying extra XQD cards is really expensive. Mm. It might be that the Z7 and the A7R3 are priced comparably, but then if you have to buy an emergency 500-pound card... Are they 500 pounds? Well, the um, let me... Hold on. I knew this would happen. I knew I'd have to Google something. Sorry. That was my fault. Whilst you're Googling it, I was thinking as well, even if the card's really fast, the image processing time still is going to be limited by the buffer in the camera. And the card does write very fast. and it, So yeah. um, on Amazon at the moment, a 64 gig XQD card is, and this isn't even, I don't even think this is their professional range. A 64 gig XQD card is 155 pounds. Wow. The 128 gig XQD card is 220. 17. Wow. Maybe that's why they didn't give them two slots because like <laughs> you can't afford two of those. <laughs> the D5 has the option for two XQD slots. But when I was shooting with the D4s, I had two 64 gigs and two 32 gig XQD cards. And I would clear those off at every single wedding. I was, I would shoot it, back it up, and then format them again for the next wedding. 
So I wouldn't use like now how I use SD cards as like an archival thing where I'll mm. put my old SD cards in files until the weddings are delivered. I could never do that with an XQD card just because they're so expensive. Like to have a pile of XQD cards would be insane. Whereas now like I'll have a pile of SD cards all labeled and filed being like this, this wedding, this wedding, this wedding. Yeah. And then once those weddings are delivered, I'll then format them. I couldn't do that with XQD. So that's quite an interesting move from them. Yeah. I think it's probably a, a superior card over SD. Mm. But the question is, yeah, like if you could choose one XQD or two SD cards, which one would you pick? Two SDs just makes sense to me. Like, cause the whole point of having the dual slot is that, you don't have to worry about the stability of the, the cards as much. Mm-hmm. Then maybe the only thing that differentiates them is, is speed. But then, like I said, I think the speed of writing is also limited by the camera body itself. I saw listed somewhere, it was listed on the Sony Rumors page, that the buffer on the, I think it must have been on the Z6, was 18 to 23 shots. So it has an 18 to 23 shot buffer on a camera. Mm. Is that raw or JPEG? Did it say? Or I'm guessing that's raw, right? I mean, I would assume it must be raw. And that's less than the than the than the XT2 on a Fujifilm, which is like a couple of years old now. And that was the reason why I couldn't get behind the D750 was the buffer was so slow. So if you're like a event shooter or you're a wedding shooter, having a really slow buffer is infuriating. Because mm. if something's happening in front of you, you just want to keep going. You want to keep shooting. You don't want to sit there and wait for the camera. Like the camera should keep up with you. Yeah. What's a Sony buffer? Um, on the A9, which is not exactly the same camera, the buffer is 181 images. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So you have a buffer of 23 images or a buffer of 181 images. So if you're you know, a wedding or event shooter, which one are you going to pick? Mm. Like the buffer on the um, A9 is insane. And it has this really cool feature where on the A9, there's a little line that goes down the side of the, the viewfinder. And you can kind of see the buffer filling up as you're shooting. So you can kind of know. Yeah, you can kind of meter it a little bit being like, okay, slow down for a second. It's almost kind of gives you an idea of how the buffer is filling. I use it a lot for shooting confetti. So as I'm shooting the confetti, I can see the buffer line going down. And then I can kind of lay off the shutter slightly, but still keep shooting. Mm. Then pick it back up again if things start happening again. I mean, I end up with a lot of photos like a lot of photos, but I'd much rather end up with a lot of photos and pick out the ones that I want to use rather than being like the camera saying, nope, not working anymore. Just stop. Yeah. Working. And then something really, really good happens and you're like, ah. exactly. And then you can't shoot. So would you rather have a hundred extra photos or miss the shot? Do you kind of think like when Nikon released mirrorless, they weren't thinking of event shooters in mind? Cause it's starting to feel a little bit like that, right? Yeah. Like they're not thinking of speed. And also they've got that, you know, they've got this lens that everyone was sort of really excited by with like the, I think it's, what is it, like a 50 something 0.95? And then it turns out that's manual focus only and not autofocus. Uh, There's a 58 millimeter. Yeah. And it's only manual focus. I feel like that's just not a practical thing, really. It's just an odd choice. I don't really understand why. Maybe there was some like physical limitations, you know, like the physics of the lens or whatever. Did you see the photo of the of what that 58 looks like? It's massive. It's huge. Yeah, it's so big. Because I mean, the physics, because you can't change physics. Yeah. The physics of that lens, in order to make it a 0.95, it just makes it a really, really big lens. So you have this massive fuck off lens Mm. and it's still manual focus. I have a vintage 58 that's 1.2. That with an adapter for Sony, I can autofocus it. 
So I ha- I already have an autofocusing fifty eight one point two. Mm, yeah, that tiny difference in the in the maximum aperture is not gonna. I don't know. Like, is you know, is it going to be noticeable? I think. I don't think so. I think if they're making if they're making headway on ISO, you don't need to dip as far. It looks sexy for some images. Yeah. But for like for wedding and event shooters, if you have an autofocusing one point four and really high ISOs, I think you're going to be slightly better off. Oh yeah. Like if you have a fast 1.4 and a high ISO, you're going to get way more usable images. Maybe it's just because I'm a, I am I prefer like a little bit of um, a deeper depth of field. But to me, I think there's just a point where the depth of field just becomes unusable or like there's like the tiniest millimeter in focus and the rest is out. And I think because that's just not my thing. To me, it doesn't appeal. Yeah, I just don't see how I would, how I would ever feasibly use that. It's a very slow portrait lens, basically, isn't it? Yeah. So basically, if Fuji came out with a 58.95 at like two grand, three grand, would you buy it? No. Because it's not fast. It's just not fast enough. Wait, was it manual focus or also focus? Manual focus. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I would consider something like that if it was autofocus, because then I would think, oh, you know, there are situations where the low light really is low at a wedding. Yeah. (laughs) atmospheric shall we say yeah manual focus it just it just knocks me out i'm just getting this vibe that this wasn't aimed at event and wedding people like people who have to move quick i think it's just a different market maybe it's probably a different market and that makes sense like they probably know who would buy this camera and it's probably people who have a bit of extra money to burn and are early adapters but this is the thing i don't get that the the people who have really overtaken the mirrorless train uh tends to be people who want the quieter, lighter thing. Yeah. So it tends to be people who are walking around all day, carrying something, kind of shooting a, like something that's busy, that's going on, theatre, events, whatever, corporate. You know, when you're in the studio, well, none of those things matter. So I'm a bit confused, to be honest. I'm, I think the hype was good, but I feel now I'm on the come down. Now that, now that the official things have been released, I'm like, oh. Well, there is one thing that I think might make you a little bit interested in it. If you were still shooting Nikon, Nikon, it still uses the same flashes. So the flash mount is the same. So if you have a whole range of, you know, D910s and, and stuff like that, D910s, Jesus Christ, I've <laughs> been out of the Nikon market for way too long. SB910s. Um, if you have like a whole pile of SB910s, you can still use those flashes. Those are still valid. Yeah. There is a Z to F mount that it comes with or something, right? So you can still use your original Nikon lenses, I think. Yeah, you can, but the adapters for, let's say, Nikon to Sony or Canon to Sony have, have already been around. So those aren't new. Okay. I think the problem that most people have is that it makes the camera kind of awkward and out of balance, especially with some of the bigger lenses. Mm. So they're not really comfortable to hold. I tried adapting most of my lenses to Sony. Mm. And I just found them a bit awkward. Wasn't worth it? It depends on the lens and it depends how much you use the lens. Mm. Um, I think for some people it would totally be worth it because then you don't have to spend all the money buying new gear. But if you're shooting all day and you're holding those lenses and you want them to be balanced and comfortable, I think for some people it will be worth it. But it just depends on it probably makes the transition a lot easier. Mm. And I think if you're a Nikon shooter and you're being patient and you're holding out to see what Nikon did for mirrorless then I think that would actually be a really great selling point because you'd be like, you know, I just have this adapter. I could still use all my lenses that I love. Mm. So the fact that they haven't come out with like, say, a 2470 2.8, you could still use your 2470 2.8. You don't have to get rid of it all. It'll just be a bit awkward 
to hold and to use. So everyone's talking about like the the grip on the Nikon's being like, oh, Nikon has a really good handle. But if you're if the whole camera's out of balance because you're using a lens that's not meant for this type of camera, the grip is going to be kind of irrelevant because yeah. you're you're holding something that's completely weird. Yeah, that's true. You don't really experience it until you're actually physically holding something that's totally out of balance. Mm. I thought it was an interesting camera, but I the more I think about it, the more I'm not regretting changing camera systems. My feeling was very much like. I've, you know, I read a couple of, of hands-on reviews and I think it sounds like, you know, it's a, it's a good camera with good image quality. And basically, if it had been put out a few years ago, you know, it might be quite exciting in a way. Like it's got it like inbuilt IBIS um, and it's got a couple of, you know, good things like that. But it's not got any features that either Fuji or Sony don't already have. Right. So, I mean, it's I don't, I don't think it's got a touchscreen, right? No, it does. And actually, it does, it does have a touchscreen. And the one thing I, I randomly heard on the DPR review was that the touchscreen turns off when you put your eye to the, the viewfinder, which I thought was a nice thought. Yeah. Because sometimes you accidentally hit it with your nose. You have it as well, don't you? You have touchscreen. I do. I don't really use it very much because, I, for me, I just don't find it very intuitive. Some people find it super intuitive. But as someone who has a very big nose, I'm constantly <laughs> hitting it on the, the, the screen. So I don't use it because my nose likes to focus for me. And I, that just maybe I could train myself to have my nose focus. and like It could be like an extra limb. <laughs> just use the nose to hit the buttons. Extra quick on it. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. I have two hands and one nose and I can just be even faster of a photographer. <laughs> so it, ha- it has a touch screen. But I mean, the thing is, like, I think this this camera is about two years, three years too late. Yeah, because this is their first generation of this. How many generations have Sony and Fuji been through already? Yeah, they've been doing it for a few years now. And I think the actual components of Nikon in the past have been Sony anyway, right? So yeah, I very much sort of wondered whether or not this is a Sony Frankenstein. And interestingly, I don't know if you noticed that the back of the body actually really looks like the Fuji X-H1. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I saw it, I was like, um, did they bring in a designer from the other side? Yeah. So it does feel a little bit like a little bit of a mashup. Yeah, I mean, Nikon has been known to buy sensors from Sony. Mm. So, and especially like the, the Z6 is 24.2 megapixels. Mm. The a7 III is 24.2 megapixels. Do you suspect it's the same? I think it's probably the same thing. The ISO is a range of 100 to 51,200 on both of them. Mm. That has to be the same sensor. I think maybe it's a good one for people who are still on Nikon and like maybe struggled financially to switch to like a full, a full system change with lenses and everything. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be people who plump for it and and start using it alongside their digital SLR bodies. Yeah. Like if you have a whole range of Nikon cameras and you want just one mirrorless camera for quiet shooting, that makes total sense. Because then you don't have to switch systems. You can kind of get the best of both worlds. You can keep all the gear that you have. It's basically adding one small thing extra into your bag, which makes sense. But then you'd still be using your DSLRs for pretty much everything else. Yeah, but I would say for people who are already on other systems, like if you're already on Sony fully, I, I don't think... There's a reason to go back. Yeah. I can't see a reason to go back. Uh, especially with that lens lineup that they have. I mean, the they only announced three lenses. Did you say one was coming out in 2020? Right. So they're coming out with an autofocusing 50 1.2 in 2020. My career might be over by then. 
<laughs> the only fast 50 they're going to have for the next two years is a 51.8. Okay. Mm. So, and then they're not coming out with like a portrait lens, like an 85 until next year. Yeah. So if you're a prime shooter, because they have a 24 to 70 F4, that's not going to do me much good. So if, let's say, let's say I was still shooting Nikon. The only fast lenses they have are a 35.18 and a 50.18. Mm. Which for documentary is is fine. Yeah. Um, and then they're not coming out with an 85 until next year. Um, and then they're not doing like a 24 to 70 or, or 7200 2.8 until next year either. So everything else would pretty much have to be on adapters. And I and I like you said, I do I do think the the sort of the Z mount lenses will be better in balance and weight yeah. than the F mount ones. Because otherwise if it if there wasn't an advantage to, to them then they would just put out an adapter and, and leave it at that and invest their money elsewhere. Right. But so I, I think there will be a disadvantage for, for the first few years, at least into shooting this. That was a depressing part. <laughs> well, hang on, let's see. Are there any other features that are worth, worth thinking about? Um, they're doing the five axis stabilization, the image stabilization that Sony has been doing for a while um, that they couldn't do on DSLRs. So that's cool. That's fun. Okay. So it's like a catch-up. It's it's like a catch-up. It's pretty much <laughs> almost seems like the same camera. <laughs> You're like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it has slightly better um, weather sealing. Okay. That's cool. Sony's aren't particularly great at weather sealing. Nikon has always had good build quality as well. That's debatable. Oh, really? I didn't like the build quality on the D750. I thought it was kind of crap. Oh, okay. I, le- I left before that time. I've been out of the Nikon folds. <laughs> I dumped early. <laughs> you were one of the first like jumpers to mirrorless i wouldn't say that but in our fr- in our friendship circle maybe <laughs> it hopefully has good build quality mm-hmm. i felt like the d750 had a good sensor but kind of mediocre build quality on the camera oh was that the one where they had to do a lot for turns and stuff right yeah they had a lot of recalls on it okay kind of just it felt plasticky in the hands mm-hmm. which isn't for me the end of the world i think the thing that made me hate the d750 was how slow the camera was mm. the processing speed was really slow and the buffer was really slow. it just couldn't keep up and i worry that the z6 and the z7 are going to be exactly the same mm. but i don't know that because i don't have one in my hands so all of this is conjecture based on numbers yeah all of this was rumors all of this was fake news <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see I know um, Ross Harvey is going to be able to get his hands on one probably fairly early for wedding shooting. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about it. Have you read his bit yet? I did read his bit. It reminded me a lot of his review of the D750. I don't know if you remember that ages ago. No, I didn't read it. Like I said, I... Um, <laughs> you jump shit ages ago. I just stopped following Nikon and it was like an ex that you, know, you don't want to read the old text. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have the feeling that... And I, I love Ross to pieces. He's such a talented photographer that you could pretty much hand him any camera and all of the images would be amazing. Yeah. The, the images he took in his review were really nice. I did notice that. Yeah. So it's basically, it's one of those things you take with a grain of salt because you're like, well, of course Ross took amazing photos with this camera. Ross would take amazing photos with this phone. Like, <laughs> But he's still, he's still a very talented photographer and he always speaks very positively about things in general. So you need someone who just like hates everything to give the review of the camera. Oh, do you want a more mis- a miserable reviewer? Yeah, you need like a miserable reviewer to be like, actually, this is really great. Because <laughs> you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on with it. What else is going on with it? It looks all right. 
Yeah, I mean, the aesthetic I'm like, cause, because I don't love the XH1 aesthetic, actually. So for me, I, I recognize the, the similarity of Fuji. And there's a weird dial on the top that doesn't seem to be labeled. Like, what is that for? Does anyone know? <laughs> it's the magic photo dial. Do you know? Have you seen it yet? Do, do you know which dial I mean? The weird dial on the top, is it just a setting style? I don't know. I, they left it blank, though. So I assume maybe it means it's a customizable thing. Oh, possibly. Possibly. Maybe you can change it. There's a DP review video thing, but I have to admit, I didn't watch all the way through. So I think it maybe explains it on there. Like, I can see in the thumbnail, the guy is using the dial. So it's obviously useful. But I just found it interesting they've just got this sort of, like, blank thing there. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a novel one, because I don't think anyone else has tried to sort of do that aesthetics-wise. Yeah. We're trying to find a picture of the top of it. I, th- I, j- I just think I do prefer the aesthetic of the Fuji films. I think the, they've made, like, beautiful-looking cameras in the X-T2 and the X-Pro2. Yeah. I just think the the Zs kind of look a little odd, in the same way that I think the X-H1 looks a little odd. Yeah. I think it's the big grip combined with, like, this kind of dinky thing. I think that's... Yeah. It's, like, more grip than body. <laughs> but that's okay, because you have to hold it. But yeah, no, the grip the grip makes it look very DSLR-like. Mm. Okay, so in summary, what we shall see. I feel like in the next few years I'll come up with something that will then start to maybe be, like, very exciting. But this is their first time, isn't it, you know? Right, so. exactly. And maybe the camera that they come out with that's, like, their mirrorless D5 might be incredible. Oh, wait, have they got that on the, in the pipeline? Maybe. I mean, but neither of, these, neither of these cameras are, like, a D5 competitor. Yeah. So maybe the, the camera that they come out with that's meant to really cater to, like, the professional market. It, it may be incredible and that would be awesome and i hope that they do because the competition is good for the market yeah very much so especially like if if all of the competition is happening in the mirrorless game then we're going to see some really interesting technology come out so hopefully you know nikon keeps doing it and keeps sony on their toes sony needs somebody to kind of come behind them and just say like hey keep moving you're not top of this game <laughs> And you don't think Fujifilm's going to do it? I think Fuji's doing really good. Awkward. Oh, awkward. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I'm talking more about like full frame cameras. Yeah, yeah, true, true. I think they need to watch the backs on Fuji as well. Because Fuji's doing a really good job making very nice, usable cameras that do kind of meet all the things that mirrorless should be doing. I guess the closest thing they did was answer with a medium format that's more compact. Yeah. So I, I actually didn't realize this, but the... The Fuji medium format, the GFX, is actually lighter than a Canon DSLR. Really? Yeah, I, I assumed it was heavier. And I think I'd, in the past I'd use it with a heavier lens, but I, I held a friend's last week and, and then held a, a Canon next to it, which had the Canon's 85 or 35 on it. And it was lighter. Mm-hmm. From Fuji, I guess that GFX is the equivalent of the Z7 or the whatever your 45 megapixel yeah. Sony offering is. Because if you're really concerned about... Rev- resolution you want to be shooting medium format yeah yeah. if you're a fashion photographer then that makes total sense so i think fuji's i like that fuji's doing something like that but doing it differently than everybody else yeah because it feels like the nikon and the sony are so similar yeah that fuji's kind of like thinking outside the box a bit and making something that nobody else is competing with doing their own thing and yeah they are you're right i think sony and nikon are definitely a lot closer in their approach and i wonder if that's going to be like difficult for them yeah as in they're just going to forever be slightly pipping each other in the same way that i guess canon and nikon did slightly do that but but when we shot canon and nikon it was kind of like people just sort of knew that Canon had the better glass and had this sort of certain look to it that, that Nikon didn't quite replicate. Yeah. So there was definitely a definite aesthetic and that was enough to distinguish people based on like the photography style you wanted. You would kind of lean towards one of the other systems. Yeah. But with Nikon on Sony, I think people who, you know, with the same sensor, they produce pretty much the same aesthetic in their raw files. So I think people are going to really struggle and there might be a bit of ping pong going on there. 
Yeah, exactly. Because then you'll start really comparing it being like, well, but I get all these other lenses with Sony. You would be kind of picking it based on something else. Yeah. Whereas Fuji yeah. Is, is definitely doing something completely different. Mm. It's a really interesting time to watch what mirrorless is doing. Yeah. From a photography standpoint, just to watch what the market's been in the last couple of years. It's bloody fascinating. Mm. So anyways, I need to go edit. I'm sure you need to go edit. As oh, well. yeah. Yeah. But it's good chatting about it. Yeah. Oh, it's like I woke up this morning being like, oh, my God, camera news. <laughs> I need to I need to outlet this somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye.